James is making us doers of the word. He wants us to apply what we've learned. It is no, absolutely no worth just listening to this and get a head full of knowledge and walk around puffed up with head knowledge and not apply it. So wisdom is applying the knowledge you've got. And this is what we need to ask God, is to say, Lord, give us the wisdom that what we learn on Sundays, to apply it during that week. And as I said before, James is taking us back to the Word of God. The Word of God for James is like a mirror. Now I know if you look into the Bible, it's not reflecting yourself back, but that's how it was designed. The Bible should never reflect yourself. That is humanism. That is your own way, your own thoughts. The Bible reflects back to you. And once you read the Word of God, you see in the Word of God the face of Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. And that is the mirror that James put in front of us. So I, I don't want us to become a church who's just known for a church who do a lot of Bible studies and teachings. No, we go through the Word of God so that the Word of God can change us into the image of His Son. We follow James on this pathway where he teaches us about spiritual maturity. You can say this phrase now, you can say, I am saved, so what? So what now? Am I saved just to call myself a Christian? Just to sit down and everybody knows now that you're a Christian and not an atheist, not a Muslim, not a Buddhist, not any one of those faiths, but a child of God, a Christ person. That's what Christian is. A follower of the way. And this needs to change us now. And James is doing a wonderful work here of explaining to us how to live the spiritual life. He is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Before he believed in Jesus, he did not. He wasn't the follower of Christ. You couldn't say that he was a Christian. But spending time with Jesus, sitting on the, on the mount, listening to the teachings of Jesus, here is a man who applied it to his life. You know what they called him? Old camel knees. Old camel knees. They say that he had calluses on his knees. You want to know for what? For praying. He was a man of prayer. He was standing with Jesus. He calls him now the Lord Jesus Christ. The one at one stage which he didn't actually recognize as God. It is him who now shows us the way of maturity in the Lord. So we are busy completing the sentence. We say a mature Christian is not partial towards people. That's our theme today. Is not partial towards people. And I want you to open up in your Bibles in James chapter 2. Because that's where we find this verse. James chapter 2 verse 1. James writes, he says, My brethren, and he's talking to you and me. He's talking to the church of the day. He says, Do not hold the faith of your Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory with partiality. With partiality. I want you to notice that he starts the sentence off with a negative. He says, do not. So many people say that the Bible is full of do's and don'ts, and they are right. 
it is full of do and don'ts. And this is one of those. Some people say we're not under the law anymore, so we shouldn't read the law anymore. I want to say to you they are wrong. We are still under the law, but the law of Jesus Christ, which in Him fulfills the whole law. That is important to understand and to know. In Him, it fulfills the whole law. But here he says, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. In which way? The Lord of glory with partiality. I like the King James version of this. He says in King James, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, listen to this now, with respect of person. I love that version. Because it tells me that we as people respect some people more than others. And this is what James says now to us. He says, do not hold the faith. Whose faith is that? It's the faith that God gave each one of us. He says, this faith that's in us now, do not hold that by respecting one person above another. You want to know why? And this is what we're going to discover today. Because he himself didn't hold one person more in respect than another. He looks over this crowd and he sees all the same. He sees all the same. That is the love of Christ. This is what he says here. And this is what I love. But you see, friends, we all, at some stage in your lives, are respecter of persons. It is in our nature. It's within us. We look over a crowd. I was yesterday in a crowd. And each and every person that walks past you, you are judging. Whether you like it or not. It might not be a righteous or a moral judgment, but there is some kind of judgment. Because you take yourself as that model and you judge people against yourself. It just happens. I'm going to prove it to you today through the Word. In fact, James talks about this so clearly. Partiality takes place in families. It's just true. It shouldn't, but it does. In families, you know, you've got brothers and sisters, you've got parents. And if they are really honest to you, some parents will tell you that they love one child more than another. Which is shocking and shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. There should be no partiality. And friends, I've seen it over my lifetime, how it really impacted families and break them up when this happened. But it's true. It also happened in the Bible. You, you, you realize that? I remember back in the Bible when we talk about Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, you remember they had two sons? What was the name, one's name? Esau? Who favored him? Who favored Esau? Isaac. He favored Esau. And who was the other son? Jacob. And who favored him? Rebekah. But you see, when these things, and once we read through that passage there about Isaac and Esau and Rebekah and Jacob, we see that this installs a spirit of competition within children. And we have it today. That there's competition amongst children. And where there's competition, what is there? Strife. There's strife amongst them. And then we see what it brings. It brings separation. It brings hardship. And a lot of these things. Partiality is not a good thing. 
especially not in the, in the church of God, in the assembly of the saints. He says it right there, the respecter of person. He says, have not the faith of your Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. Partiality means it's unfairly preferring or approving of a person. Unfairly, unfairly preferring a person above another one. We also call it favoritism. Favoritism or discrimination. Or, listen to this one, the exclusive group, exclusivity. And we've got a, a, just a name for it. We call it cliques. Who knows about cliques? That small little group of people, of cliques, that gets together. And you have to have certain things to get into that. Now, James has got a perfect example of this for us. And it's so clear. Look at James chapter 2, verse 2. He says... For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here at the foot place, and say to the poor man, You stand there. And or, Sir, here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You see, he says in their day, there was these church services that happened. And in this church, this, this would have happened, otherwise you wouldn't have addressed it. So whether they came to him and said to him, James, this is what's happening in the churches... Or he might have been sitting in a church or he might have attended a synagogue or place and he might have seen it himself. But he says this day what happened there, they came in, he came in and there was this man who walked through the doors and everybody greeted people at the door. And this man, when he walked in, he had a nice suit on. He was well dressed. And on his hands there were rings. In the Roman days, They've actually rented out rings for people for certain occasions. It was a sign of, of really importance. So it was a good business. I reckon we should open up a business like that, John, shouldn't we? You know, just to make people look really important. And that's what people love to do. They want to look important. And, and James says, what happened in this church is there was this man walking in. Now, they didn't have suits in those days, but I can just imagine with that Mideastern, he had a nice white rope on this man as he walked in there, and there was just rings on him. And, and people look at him, and immediately the crowd looked at this man and say, wow, come on, so you're such an important person. Come and sit at the best seat in the house. In the best seat. And you know what people feel? They all feel important because of this man is now in our midst. And then another man walked in. James says, this man walked in, but he was a poor man. And he says, in filthy clothes. Filthy clothes. I don't know, maybe tear torn clothes. Maybe it was torn. But maybe he didn't have time to wash it. Maybe as he walked in, he had a little bit of body odor. You know what I'm talking about? A sweet smell upon him. And you go, oh, that doesn't smell good. Well, no, no, look, we can't put that man next to the man with the gold rings in front. No, no, we can't always also put him in the middle. No, no, you just stand there. In, in the back of those days, they, they were, as I read that, they say there was standing room at the back. That was for the poor. 
And, and even with this man, he wasn't even worthy to go into that section. They said, or sit at my footstool. Just sit down there. This is what he says that happened in church. There. And you know, friends, as we sit here today, we can surely look at this and say, that's not good, is it? Is it good? No. But would you believe it that it's happening in the churches today? It's happening today. I told you that James is in your face. I told you that James is addressing a lot of things with you and me. But it's happening today in churches. I have visited churches and as you walk into a church, friends, you can see little groups grouping around. And as you go to these groups, do you, would you believe it's so hard to break into these groups? I always said to Leone, I said, look, these people are polite, but they're not sincere. They are just polite. You know what politeness looks like? You would come in and they said, hi, how are you doing? How was your week? And that's all they want to hear. And they say it so fast so that they can move on to their little group. And this is happening in churches today. Let me say it clear today. One of the things that kills churches today is this thing that James addresses here. Because, look, he ties partiality to one thing, to faith. And what is faith showing? It shows the love of our Father, isn't it? It shows the love of God through Jesus Christ to us. He says that He poured into our hearts, what? Through the Holy Spirit, the love of God. And love, friends, embraces, it does not isolate. It does not isolate. For me, this is a cancer in a church. Because it spreads out in small little groups. And you've got the little group here. And I find it when I walk in there, friends. It's these little groups and you cannot, if you talk to them, they will not allow you into that small little posse. Will not. Oh, they talk the things of God. We're in church. They sing hallelujah. And they, we're all brothers and sisters. But there is that little group. And this is what he talks about it right there. I've seen it with my own eyes. It doesn't matter if you've got the best evangelist, evangel, you know, outreach into the city. Evangelistical. Did I say that right? It doesn't matter if you've got the best program to reach lost souls. That, that's another way of saying it, brother. If you've got the best way of reaching lost souls in the city and they walk into your church and you've got these little groups there. I'll tell you what, dear friend, these people will see right through that and they ask for the love of Christ. Let's be honest. Let's see it as James sees it. Let's look into the mirror. It doesn't matter whether your church is the best church of giving out food to every single person, but once that person comes into your church, they cannot get into that little group because they will see that the love of Christ is not there. In fact, dear friends, this shows that you do not have the faith of God. I'll say it again. Partiality, respecter of person, clicks, X, any which way you want to call it this morning, shows that you do not have the love of God. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of God, the faith of God, Lord Jesus Christ, in this way that you are partial. Because it's not the faith of God. The faith of God is inclusive, dear friends. It's inclusive. You see, I see a lot of churches these days, if they've got a very famous superstar sports person coming to that church, 
You know what they do? They say, oh, you are so good. We're going to advertise it in the newspapers. You are with us. But why don't you take this chair right here? This is the best chair in the church. And they like to do it with politicians. Did you know that this great politician is coming to our church? And, and look, no, no, you don't sit there with the, No, no, you come and sit right here. And people do that. If it's a famous person, oh, they come and they make him so great and lift him up on pedestals. And you know what he says? It's partiality. That is what it is. Just straightforward partiality. I love it when uh, Paul writes about the same thing. Because we look at this poor man and say, what is in it? What, what can that man give us? Nothing. He's got nothing. Because the churches are after the money these days. If you can't give us anything, you've got no worth. But this guy with the gold rings, he's got a lot of worth. How much is he tithing? How much can he give us? You know, and what building program can we get him involved? We've got to please him with every single thing we can. I said, oh, friends, let, let me tell you, I turned away ministry opportunity in New Zealand once because I didn't want to be caught up with a man who just, you know, fills the pockets. No, that's not what it's all about. Look at uh, Paul when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, 1 Corinthians 1.25, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Who knows that? The foolishness of God. Look, I don't believe there's any foolishness in God. But he writes it down like this. He says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And how is it that men still think they can outsmart God? Terrible. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty or not many noble are called. He says it just in a different way that James was telling us. He says, this man, this noble man, you're looking at the outward apparel that this person has got. But what did God see in David? He saw the heart. Isn't that right? He saw the heart. He says it here, that not many mighty men, not many noble are called. But, sharp contrast, God have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Now, let me say it clear before I go any further. James is not talking against riches. Okay? There's, he's not saying to have money, to be wealthy, to be influential is a sin. He doesn't say that. He will come to that in a minute and later on. Later on in this chapter, we're going to see that. But what he says is, is how the people perceive that and how people are perceiving partiality. He says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yes, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. No flesh should glory in His presence. I see a lot of glory in the flesh these days. In the presence of God. And he says this shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen that we see these celebrities coming in and we put them on pedestals. Now let's put this to the test. I want to show you a few uh, images. And let's just put it to the test. Have a look at these faces. Take a minute or two. 
Look at these people there. I want to ask you the question. Who would you feel comfortable to have a conversation with? If I, if I ask you to put down one person, just one that you put on top, that you would, if you walk into that crowd, if these people were here this morning in church, if they were sitting here and afterwards we go out and we have a coffee and so on and you've got your choice, which is the first person that you would walk up to? This is a, it's a criminal. He's sitting in his, you see he's, he's in jail. He's sitting in court there. Who would you walk up to? First of all, straight off. You go, I want to, I'm really this morning want to have a chat with that person. Now let me take it one step further. Which one of these people, just the top one, just one, you can only pick one. Which one of these would you invite to come to your house and have dinner with you? Have you made up your choice? Have you, have you seen through that? Have you looked at that? Now, let's have a look at them and we think, okay, this is the person that I think. Now, I know we're sitting in church, well, I know we are we're listening to James, I don't, no, I don't want your church answer now to say, I'll, I'll go for the man on the street straight forward because we learn about it now. Because James says, do not, do not. And now, I want you to be honest this morning. What if we take out a few, a few of these people? Is that changing your decision now? What now if I say, who of these people would you quickly have a conversation with? Just because they are a person. Not how they look or what they say or do, just because they are a person. How, how is that changing now your mindset? What if we narrow it down a little bit further? Have I eliminated the one person that you originally thought about? Have I eliminated your second choice? And now if you have to, let me ask the question, how is this going to change your conversation now? What do you want to discuss with this person? You see, it's not only going to these people, but we all, all of us has got these walls that protect ourselves. That is what society teaches us. Protect yourself. Build up these walls between you. So if one person comes in, even in your life, you will allow him in the outer court of your, of your life. And then another person walks in out of that crowd and you say, look, you are in the outer court, but I'll allow you one step closer to me and one step closer to me and then into the inner circle. Now I'm not saying we should, I'm not naive saying we should go out and every single person, God, you know, let me tell you my whole life story. No, no, you build a relationship. But who of these people do you want to build a relationship with? Will it change your mind if I tell you that this man who's sitting here has committed suicide? Because he was wrongly convicted. And only after he's committed suicide, they realized he was innocent. But just the fact that he's sitting like that and looking like that in those clothes has influenced our thought processes about the person. Friends, I want to suggest to you that if God looks at all of these people, you know what he sees? You know what he sees in all of them? He sees a soul. He sees a soul. That's all he sees. Yes, yes, we can say there's people who sinned on that wall. Yes, we can say they've done the wrong things in life. But how many wrong decisions and choices have you done? 
The fact that you and I am here and sitting here and looking the way we are is just the grace and the mercy of God. That's all. That's all. And the influences you had from birth and people you were met along the way that guided you along the way, some of these people might never have had that. Never. I'm not giving people excuses. I'm just asking the question. Now, when we read about James telling this, 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 this man who came in with the apparel and sat at the best seat in the house and the poor man, can you see it now through this lens? It influences us all. But let's look into the mirror now. Let's go to the Word of God and say what the Word of God says. You see, the Word of God says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, He says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, Mighty and awesome, listen, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. That's what the mirror tells us this morning. Didn't I say before that when God looks at this, He looks at the souls? Didn't I say that? I wasn't just saying it because I think I'm clever. I was just reading for you. I was just saying what the Word says there. There shows no personality. Personality, nothing. Leviticus 19.15 You shall do no justice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Acts chapter 10, 34, then Peter opened his mouth. Remember, this is when he went to Cornelius. Cornelius wasn't a Jew. He opened up his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Friend, God shows no partiality when He looks at you and with me. Now, let's see how James deals with this matter. He gives Jesus as an example. That's the first way he deals with partiality. He gives him as an example. See what he says? He says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. He didn't use this before. Have you noticed? Why would James now, when he talks about partiality, write down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Lord of glory? Why would he do that? It's, dear friends, to teach you and me something. It shows that Jesus Christ is glorious. Who believes that? Do you believe that Jesus is glorious? Do you believe that He's the Son of God? Do you believe that He's the Son of Man? He says now that the Lord of glorious, we should not have His faith with partiality. Though He was glorious, my friends, He thought of you and me. Did you know that? He could have walked around on the earth Five centimeters above the earth, not to touch the earth. He's God. He was God with us. He could have. He could have walked around because there was no unrighteousness found in Him. No fault found in Him. He bore your and my sins on the cross, not His. He could have walked around as a Lord of glory and had partiality. He could have picked out His clique. He could have gone to the synagogues and get the best Men in the synagogue with rings on their fingers to walk with him. Yet he chose fishermen. Yet he went to a tax collector because he had no partiality. 
the Lord of glory. That's the first distinction that he does. I want you to think before you are partial with other people, before you think that you are better than other people, compare yourself with Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. That's what James says. Before you get so high and haughty about your own horse, think about him. Because he is the glorious Lord. And look at this now. In Romans chapter 5 verse 6, he says, For we, when we were still without strength, we were weak in due time. Christ, listen, the Lord of glory, the Lord of glory, Christ. What did he do? Did he step on you? Did he put you out? No, no, no. What did he do? He died for the ungodly which were you and me. He died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated, listen to this now, His own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Lord of glory, the Lord of glory that James says, Christ died for us. And somebody should shout hallelujah right now. Think about that, James says. Before you get that man in. Now I know in our days we don't walk, you know, I've got a wedding ring on and we, we don't walk with, you know, some people who do, you know, they've got this big, you know, their hands, they can't lift him up with the weights. You know, he's so heavy with all the gold on their fingers. We don't have that coming, okay? But we do have people come in which we think, wow, they are very influential and we favor them above the next person. He addresses it right down to us today. How? Because God knows, God knows whether you're partial or not. The Lord of glory. Do you know that this Lord of glory, the Lord of glory we're talking about, Christ, do you know that in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it says of Him, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen, in James's word, the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. Let this mind be in you who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but did what? He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So before you start making one person more important than another person and put you on top, think about Jesus Christ. How would he have done it? Was he partial? Let me ask the question. Yes or no? Show me. Yes or no? He was not partial. He was not at all partial. You know, Paul writes again about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, now he talks about a measure of faith. What did he say in verse 1? He says, Let not this faith be in you, of the Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of glory with partiality. Partiality shows me that there is no faith. There could be faith or different faith, but not the faith of your Lord Jesus Christ. Think of that. Secondly, the way that he deals with it in our passage is the value of a person. Look at this in the James chapter 2 verse 5. He says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Isn't that what Paul said before? To be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom. Two things, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. There's our love, the agape love of God. 
but you have dishonored the poor man. You let him sit at the back. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts, and do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? And this happened to them. In Acts chapter 4 verse 1, he says, Now as they spoke to the people, there was Paul, the priests, captains of the temple, uh, there was Peter and John, the Sadducees came upon them. These were the rich people of the society, the Sadducees and so on. They were rich. They came upon them. And what did they do? They brought them in front of the courts. James says, watch out. You are dishonoring the poor man. But this, this wealthy man there, watch out, because he could pull you. He could pull you. Well, if I'm saying he could pull you, but he says, do not the rich oppress you and drag you in, in, into the courts. In Acts chapter 13, verse 50, the same thing happened again, over and over again, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women. It sounds like our age, isn't it? 2017. I won't go there, Andre. Don't worry. He says, He stirred up the women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. Again, I want to emphasize that he's not against riches. It is the love of money. That is the root of all evil, not money. But here, he talks about the people and how they address that. Now, he's going to get more serious now. Are you ready? If you're not upset by now, you should be upset next time or with the next passage. Because he's getting a little bit deeper now, James. He's actually saying that partiality is a sin. Did you know that? He says it right there. James chapter 2 verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to... I love it when he writes this, the royal law of... You see, to fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. If you really, if you sit here, he says, he talks to the church, he says, if you sit here and you say, really, 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 I am fulfilling. And he calls it the royal law according to the scripture. Listen what he says. There's one law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality or respect of person, you commit a sin. He's straightforward now. He's not softly coming with this now. He says you are sinning. It's a sin to show partiality. And are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Wow. Now I didn't know that. Now I know. Because the mirror is telling us it's a law to show partiality. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. If you are partial, you've become a transgressor of the law. It's as, it's, you're on the same footing. Listen what the mirror says. You're on the same footing as a person who committed adultery. You read it in the newspaper and you go, how could he? How could she? But you're partial. <clears throat> you're on the same level as them. Listen, he goes one step further. He says, that man that you read in the newspaper who followed that young girl, kidnapped her, raped her, killed her, and he's now guilty sitting there, I'm shocking you today, but it's not me. Again, it's, it's James. He puts us in the mirror. He says, you read it in the newspaper, you feel so unhappy and unsepted about it. You poke your finger at that guy, but you are partial. He says, you have broken, the, you're on the same footing. 
still on the same level. Have you thought about that? What should you do for that person? You should pray for his soul. You should pray for salvation. This is what he says. He's only, he's only quoting the law. Look, it's not this. It's in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 18. He says, You shall not take a vengeance, nor bear a grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and here in <coughs> the law he's talking about is in Matthew 22, 36, when Jesus says, they say, teachers, which is the great commandment in the law? And this is what Jesus said. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. What is it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And listen to this now. On these two commandments hangs the law of the prophets. This is the commandment he's talking about there. About partiality. Partiality is a sin. Verse 12 now he says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. These are really valuable passages here. We are, whether we like it or not, under the law, and this is what I said before, the law of liberty. The law of freedom. But you know what, dear friends? It is a law. And the law says, do not be partial. That's a law of freedom. Do not be partial. Do not. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This must be done, which is the law of liberty. I want to say it again, and, and for the one more time, you know, it is liberty, but it is still a law, although it is that law of liberty. And there will be a judgment there will be a judgment against this. Partiality, the respecter of person. One person above another. Friends, let this church not be a church of partiality. Let it not be. I mean, this is how wonderful it is for me. You know, we're in, I'm a South African-born Kiwi. Put that together, okay? Who's now living in Australia. I'm not Australian-born. My ancestors comes from Europe. They say in me there is Italian blood. I think it's a little bit of German blood. But there's definitely English blood there. So I'm mixed. I'm coming here. I'm here in 2017 in Melbourne. We've got this church. There's different nationalities here. Let us not even draw down our nationalities, partiality. I see that happen so often. Let me go one step further. Let there not be color lines with impartiality. Because that happens as well. None. You know what God sees this morning? He sees the soul. That's what He sees. Can you understand this morning then that, that partiality is a sin? It's not what I say. I've showed it to you clearly. Let us pray. Heavenly Father... We thank you this morning for this, this word. 
Father, though I know that not a lot of people in churches wants to preach, James, because this passage comes up. Uh, Father, we want to say, Lord, if we have committed in this sin of partiality, we want to repent of that, Lord. We want to be open, Lord, for everyone to come in and to be part, Father. Not part of our little group, but part of the body of Christ.